You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 637 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a fine Wednesday evening. The Hawks just played in New York City up at Madison Square Garden and got their first victory of the preseason after a dreadful 0-3 start. They uh, pulled one out in the end. Uh, some uneasy moments, I would say, uh, for the Hawks as they were actually you know, pretty clearly trying to win this game, playing, uh, playing the regulars all the way through, and they were able to hold on in the end for a four-point win over the Knicks, and we'll talk about that game on most of today's podcast, but before we get to the game itself, I did want to play one bit of audio for you, and it's kind of been a little bit of flying blind with uh, no no beat writers on the road this week. I'm not on the road this week, and uh, as a result of that, not getting a ton of updates about injuries and stuff like that, and Kevin Herter's status continues to linger. Um, On Tuesday, the Hawks announced he was going to be missing this game, which was not a huge surprise, but at the same time, would have been great if he was upgraded to some degree. So, um, shouts to Locked On Hawks correspondent and, uh, of course, my my personal friend, Robbie Callen, who's often on this podcast. Um, He was actually in New York um, randomly this week, week, and I got him to go in and grab some audio. So, uh, here's what Lloyd Pierce had to say about Kevin Herter and his status. Um, This is before tip-off, so keep that in mind, but uh, here is Lloyd's full answer. On Kevin Herter. Worked out today, uh, obviously not playing tonight. Um, I'm not sure how the workout he worked out after after shoot around, so he stayed back with uh, one of our coaches and worked out. You know, he tweaked his knee um, or just felt a little pinch mm-hmm. in it uh, Saturday in the scrimmage, so it set him back. Okay. Uh, we were aiming to get him to play on Monday, and so the setback was from Saturday and it felt better. Monday and just wanted to see him on the court uh, yesterday and today. So as you could hear there from Pierce, there was actually no timetable update and it's just one of those things you're kind of flying blind on the Hawks do play again on Thursday and we'll see if there's any uh, any status update if, in terms of the official channels with regard to the injury report but for now what we know is that Herter had something of a setback over the weekend but he was working out doesn't appear to be that serious by that answer but at the same time a little bit of a delay in his response and you never want to hear setbacks you never want to hear the word pinge um, talking about someone's knee as they were uh, trying to get back on the floor it's been very evident, especially in the first three games, but even tonight um, in Game 4, that the Hawks can really use Kevin Herter. That's not really breaking news, honestly, to anyone listening to this podcast. But, um, you know, he projects to be the team's third-best player this season, and they really use his shooting more than anything, and also his secondary ball handling. So we'll keep an eye on this situation. The Hawks do have more than a full week as of this moment before they actually play a game that matters. That is Thursday for their opener, a week from a week from Thursday, I should say. Um, so you know, still some time, and I'm, but I'm sure it would be comforting to everyone to see Kevin Herter play some competitive basketball before the regular season begins. I'm not sure if that's realistic at this point, considering they're only one more game and it's a back-to-back with travel. And he is with the team, obviously. He was on the bench on Wednesday, but you know, one of those things we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on it. But no, no timetable update. But that's that's the only thing that I've heard from Lloyd Pierce. And uh, there you go. Wanted to pass it along to you before we get into the game itself. Um, turning the page to the game festivities, you know, sort of a weird game, as you might expect. It's a preseason game, but it was tight late, which is uh, something that was at least interesting to observe. 
on the Hawks side. Um, we'll start at the beginning. Um, early on, it was Trey Young drawing foul after foul in a way that um, I almost said only he can, but he can in a way that you know very few players can in the league. In fact, he drew four fouls in the first five minutes of this game. And I think at least by my count, he drew six fouls in the first quarter. He had five free throws. He just was creating almost everything in the first quarter of this game from the Hawks. There were some nice moments from um, DeAndre Hunter early on with some aggressiveness around the rim, getting to the rim. There was a nice uh, drive and finish from Cam Reddish going to his left. And also worth pointing out that um, you know the rest of the rotation was the same, but Bruno Fernando wholeheartedly replaced Damian Jones in this game. And Jones was not listed on the injury report, so I'm just, I'm just going to assume it was a coach's decision to go with Bruno. He only played 18 minutes, but at the same time, that's you know 18 minutes more than he played the other night in competitive basketball. And Damian Jones did not ever appear in this game, and the Hawks played their um, sort of quote, normal rotation for the great majority of this game. So Bruno gets the nod in this spot. I'm not sure that's a negative of much, but he did get the nod ahead of Damian Jones in this game. Um, I do I do need to say that, especially early on, Bruno looked a little bit lost on both ends of the floor. I think he sort of reverted a little bit back to his uh, first game when he really struggled. But still, he was playing, and it wasn't like he was uh, hugely negative uh, in an overall sense. There was a nice stretch from Jabari Parker early on. He had eight quick points. He was very aggressive. Even the, even the one shot that he missed in the, in the early going was a quick trigger three that he shot without hesitation, and I pointed that out on Twitter. You know, Jabari is someone who likes to hold the ball and jab step and do all the stuff that you want to see there, um, but him him just catching and shooting is an, is an encouraging sign. It's not, probably not his best trait. At the same time, though, he can shoot it, and the spacing that he can provide will be uh, useful for the Hawks if he's willing to take that shot in the way that he did. So that was a good sign for me anyway. Um, there was a ridiculous drive and finish by Trey Young to to beat the buzzer on the final possession of the first quarter, beating Mitchell Robinson off the dribble with a left hand. That was just, you know, incredible. <laughs> One of those things that Trey Young will do that will make you uh, sort of shake your head, um, and that was just a fantastic play by him. I'm sure it made the rounds, and you've probably seen it by now, if you, even if you, if, if, if you missed the game. But uh, Trey Young, yeah, doing Trey Young things in a big way. He had 11 points in the first quarter of this contest. Uh, the lack of turnovers was really a good thing in the first quarter, and the first half, I should say. The Hawks only had two turnovers in the first half, and that is wildly noteworthy. You know, that'd be noteworthy under any circumstances, but at the same time, you know, the Hawks have averaged more than 25 turnovers per game in the first three games. They did commit 12 in this game, but 10 of them were after the half, and even then, 10 and a half would have been better than than, they, than they've actually had um, so far this season. So having two, having two in a full half of competitive basketball was uh, at the very least a good sign for this Hawks team. Um, Reddish overall was much better. I wrote, wrote that down. Uh, there was a brutal pull-up three that he attempted in the first of the first half, which uh, he probably needs to uh, not really do at this point in time, but that was a pretty good um, you know sequence for him overall. The Hawks opened the game one of ten from three, but honestly, most of those were good looks. Uh, I mentioned the reddish one. There was one or two more that were kind of rough, but um, actually after that, Collins made the next one. That was the 11th attempt of the game. It was a gorgeous quick trigger three from him, and uh, same thing as I, as I was saying with Parker earlier, not Collins' best trait, but certainly a guy that the Hawks need to be able to shoot that shot. He was willing to just catch up and rise and shoot it in a quick, um, you know, smooth manner, and that was nice to see him knock one of those down. There was another coach's challenge from Lloyd Pierce. In fact, Fizdale had one as well for the Knicks in this game, but now Lloyd is two for two on those, which is kind of just funny to uh, navigate. Um, there was a pretty amusing uh, sequence in this game where DeAndre Bembry went full Moses Malone with three straight misses at the rim, and he, and he was getting his own rebound and kind of just doing the uh, the bumbling routine. In fact, Bembry shot two for 14 in this game. We'll come back to that later. A lot of those were just kind of his own misses. It was kind of amusing just to see him. I thought he actually played well for someone who shot two for 14. I think he, played where, I think he actually played very well. Just the shooting was uh, weird to see there. 
Um, the Hawks, just to go back to the turnovers for a second, the Hawks had a um, 55% true shooting in the first half, which is very solid, but nothing terribly special. But they were able to post a 124 offensive rating because they just didn't turn the ball over. And that's a very small thing in some ways, but it's also very big in some ways, taking care of the ball, just getting shots to the rim. Because even if they don't fall, getting a shot up is better than turning the ball over. And it seems pretty simple, but still um, worth pointing out. The other big thing, and I think the, probably the biggest national storyline for the first half, was the explosion of Vince Carter. Uh, Vince hit a quartet as in four threes in a very small sequence of time. He had 14 out of 16 points for the Hawks in, at one point in the second quarter. Um, actually put a, actually put up, put up a heat check as well that he missed, um, and I was longing for Dominic Wilkins to be on the broadcast to uh, say heat check. But um, Vince just had it going, and it was nice to get in the way back, in the wayback machine with him. I mean, people were, people were talking about this during the game, and I know Jeff Siegel and I both said it um, on Twitter, but Vince is an elite shooter. That's not breaking news to anyone who listens to this podcast or watched the team closely last year, but um, people just don't know that necessarily because it's not what he used to be known for. But Vince's best trait at this point, by far, honestly, on the court, other than just experience, is his shooting. He's an elite shooter. Shooter, and uh, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that he's knocking down shots when he's out there. But that was fun in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, definitely wanted to at least make sure that I pointed that out, that that was a heck of a stretch from Vince in the first half. Um, after halftime, things got a little bit interesting, uh, honestly, just because of the back and forth and the way this game actually flowed. The third quarter was, was pretty ugly, a 19-17 to quarter after a Pretty, pretty pretty offensive quarter in the second quarter. Um, Bembry got the start ahead of Cam Reddish in the second half after Reddish started the game. I'm not really sure what was up with that, other than just you know defensively, Bembry was uh, doing a lot of a lot of creating. He actually had a nice take against RJ Barrett early on in the second in the second half as well for one of his two field goals. Um, there was a sequence also when he had back to back steals. Bembry, I'm talking about now. One one that led to a Jabari Parker dunk in transition, and then one one that led to a productive foul from the Knicks. So he was just kind of everywhere. Um, just for the record, the only non-rotation sub in this game was Brandon Goodwin, who played six minutes, I believe, in the second half, just kind of briefly. I actually thought for a moment that they might go away from Trey Young for the rest of the game, kind of shut him down. He actually ended up obviously playing a lot in the fourth quarter, but when Goodwin came in, I was like, oh, maybe that's it, and it wasn't. But uh, Goodwin did, have, did, did, did at least play a little bit, the two-way uh, point guard. There was a uh, a very nice sequence from Cam Reddish where the, he showed all of his highs and all of his lows, honestly, within about 90 seconds. Um, he made a three-point play in transition, which was nice to see. It was kind of awkward, but he finished it, and that's uh, not, not, not a small thing for Cam. But then he actually uh, had a nice help side steal uh, about three, three or four possessions later, um, created a fast break with that, did turn it over, though, on the break. And, um, you yeah, know, just one of those things where he had some highs and lows in the turnover department, but... Again, and spoiler alert, we'll talk about this later, but I thought Reddish was actually pretty good in this game in an overall sense. Um, I, I thought it was a nice, interesting peek into Trey Young and just kind of the Trey Young experience for people nationally, but at the end of the third quarter, he clearly wanted a two-for-one and was gesturing and kind of yelling in the direction of mostly be, mostly Bembry, but somebody, really the entire team. They didn't have the two-for-one the two two executed, but they got to stop. And then Young uh, didn't, I guess, didn't made it not matter by hitting a 30-foot buzzer beater in that typical Trey Young fashion. It was an, it was a gorgeous shot and uh, just a, his second his second buzzer beater of, of the uh, game. So so it's just one of those things where he made a bunch of uh, highlight worthy plays and that's what he does. Um, the Knicks worth noting and some of this was the Hawks defense as well, but the Knicks only scored four points in the final six and a half minutes of the third quarter. The Hawks just stopped making shots too, or they would have been able to pull away. They just couldn't necessarily get points on the board. 
Uh, the Hawks pushed all the way to the end of this game for the first time in the preseason. Some of that early on was the fact that they were getting blown out in all of these games. But this is, uh, you know, I talked about the dress rehearsal aspect probably at least once this week, and it was actually turned out to be twice. Monday, it felt like kind of like felt kind of like a dress rehearsal in some ways. But after three quarters, they kind of bailed on the starting lineup and on the rotation um, tonight. It had the same feel for three quarters, but it was a competitive game, and Pierce decided to put the pedal, the pedal to the metal. In fact, Trey Young's Trey Young played 35 minutes in this game. That's a lot of minutes for Trey Young under any circumstances. Plus, uh, not to mention in the preseason game, so they clearly wanted to play a little bit more in this game and kind of give it the give it their all, and it ended up working out quite well. They uh, it was sort of a back and forth. The Knicks kind of made their run early on in the in the quarter to get within striking distance, and then um, with 6:30 to go, they actually sat. Young and Collins and Herder was also uh, sorry and Hunter was also sitting, but they brought him back about two minutes later and played a crunch time five of uh, John Collins at the five, Vince Carter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Trey Young. Uh, for the most part, there were a couple of uh, subs in there, uh, but it, w- it was a tie game. In fact, the Knicks briefly took the lead. Vince had his uh, hit a go ahead three, his fifth of the game, with about one thirty to go. Um, but before before that, and really. On all sides of that, the Hawks just couldn't score. They had three points in about four and a half minutes down the stretch, and that is uh, not what you want when you're trying to win a game on the road, especially. But it ended up not mattering as they were able to hold on with some quality defense and some ineptitude from the Knicks and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But without going play by play down the end, once Vince hit the three, um, they got a couple of stops when they when they badly needed one. They actually brought in. Um, Bruno Fernando to get a defensive rebound. He didn't get it, but he, he secured a nice box out that, that created that. Trey Young got fouled with 16 seconds left to go up by three. The Knicks did get a shot at the rim. It was Wayne Ellington. It was very contested, though, and uh, that was good defense by the Hawks to force a very, very contested shot by Ellington. That missed, and then um, after a scramble and good hustle by both um, Hunter and Membry to create the uh, loose ball. Ball went out of bounds. They got the ball in to, DeAndre, to Hunter, who made, who made one of two, and that was going to be the end of that. So, you know, under normal circumstances in a regular season game, I might have gone play by play on the podcast, but preseason, not going to do that. But yeah, just to say, offensively, the execution was not fantastic late. There were some ugly moments from Cam Reddish, for instance, had a couple of bad turnovers in the uh, down the stretch portion. Actually, I'll take only one turnover, but a couple of, uh, you know, sketchy plays from Cam. And by the way, he wasn't the only one. Um, it was kind of a rough execution stretch from almost everyone offensively. But they got the win, and uh, I'm, sure it feels, I'm sure it feels better to fly from New York to Chicago after a victory, even in preseason, than it would have been otherwise. So, after a quick break, we'll come back and talk about the big picture stuff from this game, as well as some individual stuff. So, hold on tight. We'll be right back. Okay, we'll progress um, a little bit here in a second to the individual stuff, but I wanted to touch on the big picture just a little bit. Um, Offensively, the numbers didn't look great in this game in an overall sense. Um, The first half was much better. Second half on both sides was just kind of ugly, and that ended with the Hawks winning this game with a 99.6 offensive rating. That's not anything great, especially with a 46% true shooting. That's really rough, but the turnovers were mitigated. If they had turned the ball over a lot in this game, they would have lost probably. Uh, So that's uh, something to point out in a positive direction. 37% 37% from the floor, 29% from three. Got to the line 22 times, made 82% of those, which is probably good to see. But um, yeah, offensively, it wasn't exactly outstanding aside from Vince and aside from Trey Young. There just wasn't too much going on there. John Collins was just John Collins. We'll come back to him in a second. But yeah, there were some rough spots offensively. The defense, though, was encouraging, I will say. You know, part of that's the Knicks. Part of that is the Knicks not having good offensive players. I mean, they have some good offensive players, but the fit is not great. They don't play with a ton of spacing, for instance. Um, some of their guys who played well in this game, like Frank Nelkina, offensively, not really a strength of his. They had some just highs and lows. But, you know, it's 
worth pointing out, they got some stops in this game. The Hawks played good defense and had actually generated a defensive rating of about 95.6. So that's pretty good. Um, in fact, that's excellent for this Hawks team. Again, part of that's to the Knicks, but good uh, good credit to the Hawks. And we'll talk about individual guys as we go here. But really no defensive, you know, glaring defensive issues in this game from any individual players. Um, so that's probably a good sign. Um, to the individuals, as I said before, the Hawks only played 11 guys in this game, which... It's not a huge surprise, but for preseason, that's pretty low of a number, honestly. And they had a 10-man rotation that was firmly in play here, and then they brought in Brandon Goodwin for a few minutes in the in the, four, in the uh, second half. But I said this before, but Damian Jones was a surprise DNP. He was really the only guy that you might expect to play that did not play. Um, no Parsons, no Crab in this game, of course. Uh, Evan Turner only played 10 minutes, but um, yeah, that's kind of it in terms of the uh, surprise. That was kind of all there was. Goodwin you know, was kind of just out there. So I don't want to spend too much time on him. Turner, 10 minutes, he was listed as uh, probable on the injury report again and activated um, before the game. So I think he's probably a little bit favoring the Achilles a little bit, uh, at least at this point in time. He's not playing a ton of minutes. They're easing him in for sure. And, uh, you know, he was just kind of out there defensively, made some nice plays, but didn't create too much offensively. Um, Vince, as I said before, he had the one explosion in the first half. He did show his age a little bit, I thought, in the fourth quarter. He had some... uh, Shaky moments, but did make the biggest shot probably in the entire like you know last five minutes of this game with the big go-ahead three that ended up kind of holding the Hawks on to win this game. So that was worth pointing out, and he had five threes on ten attempts. Bembry was divisive. I saw some anti-Bembry sentiment out there on Twitter. I'm sure that's going to happen because he was two for 14 from the floor, and at one point I think he was like one of ten. I understand that completely. I thought Bembry was quite good in this game, except for the fact that he didn't make any shots. Um, and I know that's kind of um, strange to say out loud. A lot of missed layups, and that's going to be frustrating because Bembry, as I said this before on the podcast, but with the, with his lack of shooting, he's got to be able to finish at the rim. And uh, that was, if you're picking one thing to clearly be shaky in this game about Bembry, that was definitely the spot. But he did he did Bembry things the entire game. He played great defense. He had nine rebounds. He had four assists. He had four steals. He was just flying around, no turnovers. So if you if you just you know kind of taking take things into perspective, the shooting is not acceptable. Obviously, at two for fourteen, including a bunch of misses at the rim. But some of those were just misses to himself on offensive on the offensive glass, where he had six offensive rebounds. And I thought Bembry made a ton of plays defensively in the way that he does. It's easy to like DeAndre, um, and I still do. But you know you could certainly see the uh, the chinks in the armor offensively with what he was able to do or not do. In this game, um, Jabari Parker was Jabari Parker in some ways. Uh, 12 points, 9 rebounds for Jabari on 10 attempts. Not too bad there. He took five threes, which I'm totally fine with, honestly. I encourage him to take more threes. They're not always going to be great high percentage shots, but him taking threes is better than him taking long twos. I firmly believe that. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. Defensively, you know, there were moments where he was not great, but uh, good energy, I thought, from him, 20 minutes. That's going to be pretty much the role that I, that I see him playing. Play 20 minutes, take 10 shots, be reasonably efficient offensively and just kind of do what Jabari Parker is supposed to do, create shots for yourself and create shots for others on occasion. And he kind of did that. Uh, Bruno Fernando, I said before, I thought he was a little bit shaky, but two points, two rebounds and assist. He was just out there. I think it's going to be very interesting, honestly, to see who plays the backup center role on opening night because it, it, it could be both. That would not surprise me, but it was Damian Jones kind of clearly ahead in the first couple of games. And then Bruno's now was the one that played in this game. So I'm not sure if they want to stagger those guys on purpose and have Damian Jones play a lot of minutes tomorrow with a back-to-back. So I don't want to take too much from Bruno edging Damian Jones out in this game and actually getting the rotation minutes. But that's one of the questions I have. It's definitely on the on the lower end in terms of impact of questions that I have about opening night, but that is one that I certainly will be interested in as to who has that role the first time the Hawks are playing a game that actually matters. To the starting five, Alex Len uh, had a rough one and one to forget, I would say, uh, 
you know, in contrast to what Bembry was able to do um, with 2 for 14 from the floor, Len was 0 of 7, and it's just more damaging when Len goes 0 for 7 because of the fact that he's usually play finishing, whereas Bembry is creating more for himself and others. Um, you know, I've actually thought, same thing though, in some ways, that Len played pretty well, other than just the shooting. The shooting was rough, obviously, at 0 for 7, and including 0 for 3 from 3. Those are those are fine, but it's, it's the two-point misses for me. But he had 9 rebounds, he had 4 assists, he had a steal, he had 2 blocks, he was very active, he was, pl- you know, plus 3 doesn't really matter to me that much in the preseason especially, but I thought Len's floor game was fine. It's just the hands. Yeah, that's the one thing that people always say about Alex Len is that he's got bad hands, and it's hard it's hard to argue with that. He drops passes at bad times and doesn't finish great around the rim. There was a missed dunk from Alex Len in this game. So I totally understand the frustration there. I thought he played pretty well overall, but he's going to have to – I say this all the time about him – but finish, finish better around the rim and catch the ball better, and that's something you just got to hope that's going to happen <laughs> as, the season, as the season progresses here. Uh, Cam Reddish. I said before, you know, he was much better in this game. That's something I wanted to lead with. Much better in this game than he was on Monday. I thought Monday he was pretty dreadful, honestly. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's one of those things where he's a pre- he's a rookie and a raw rookie at that, and that he struggled in college and just had all the injury stuff over the summer, et cetera, et cetera. So the hot and cold stuff is going to be there for him probably for most of the season. But I thought Reddish had a little bit of hot and cold during this game, but the overall performance was better than um, you might think it would have been. And honestly, much, much better than he was on Monday. He's had a couple of highs and lows in the preseason, but this, this, is, this is on the higher side, even with a few frust- frustrating plays. Nine points, three rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block. He was very active defensively. I love that about him. I love his length defensively. There were uh, offensively shaky moments with some turnovers, dribbling into traffic, not finishing fantastically around the rim, all the things that you might expect him to struggle with based on his college tape, but I thought Cam played pretty well, and it was good to have him just get reps. You know, if, if it's if it's me and the number one goal is to win, I'm not playing Cam Reddish at crunch time, but in the preseason, that's not the number one goal, by the way, <laughs> just in, for anyone, but it, especially for this Hawks team and the where they are right now, Playing Reddish some high leverage minutes is probably a good idea, and I, I've definitely co-signed that move to have him play a lot of high leverage here, and uh, you know we'll see if that returns positive things in the future. But uh, just having him out there was, was a good thing, even if he kind of struggled in the last few minutes of this contest. DeAndre Hunter was uh, once again very very good. 15 points, two rebounds, two assists, and five of eight from the floor, two of four from three. He was one of the few efficient offensive players for the Hawks in terms of shooting in this game. 15 points to uh, finish only behind Young and Carter. On the scoring spectrum, defensively, always very solid. And uh, DeAndre is, you know, someone who I'm, I'm probably going to get boring talking about, but he's just really good in this game. Um, not a ton of creation. There's a little bit of what, um, you know, not a, there's a little bit in the first half, I thought more than the second half, of uh, them asking, sort of asking him to play the ball in his hands. But I think more, a more typical shot distribution from Hunter, only, only eight attempts, four, four free throws. That's 10 shooting possessions. That's about right for what you would think about Hunter at this point in time as like the fourth, fifth option offensively. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, John Collins played 30 minutes. That's a lot for him compared to what he normally would be in the preseason. But I think I think he was good to see him sort of get his feet under him to some degree. 12 points, 14 rebounds, which is uh, which was uh, yeah comfortably led the, led the entire game and rebounds. In fact, the only player on either team to reach 10 rebounds in this contest was Collins at 14. Two assists, a steal for John. 5 of 13 from the floor is not his typical efficiency level, but did make the 1-3, and I thought he uh, gave good energy. Defensively had some nice moments as well, which is uh, worth pointing out. Um, finally, Trey Young. Again, I'm surprised by the 35 minutes. Um, I'll say this. Go, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this now. I would be absolutely stunned if Young and Collins played tomorrow 
in Chicago. Um, first of all, it's a preseason back-to-back, which doesn't make any sense at all. I'm just firmly against that scheduling, um, just in general. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just can't see the upside, particularly when they definitely leaned on Collins and Young more than you would expect them to lean on Collins and Young in the preseason game. I would be, again, pretty surprised if they played on Thursday. Um, everybody else, you know, wouldn't stun me. Maybe maybe they give it another guy or two of the day off. If it's me, I would be leaning heavily on guys that don't matter. I'd be playing all of your exhibit, all of your exhibit 10 guys. I'd be leaning uh, probably too far into the uh, deep bench for Thursday. But, you know, if it's me, I'm not playing Young Collins for sure. You know, Vince probably doesn't need to play back-to-back, for instance. Uh, Evan Turner, if there's anything going on with the Achilles, can sit. Uh, any veteran, basically, I'm not going to play um, if, if they have any any reason not to play them. But uh, going back to Young real quick, 23 points, 9 assists. He was masterful, I thought, offensively in this game. The one, if you wanted to find one um, thing to downgrade a little bit, it was that he was 7 of 19 from the floor. And he was bothered a little bit by Frank Nilakina and his and his length. You might remember his first summer league action. Nilakina gave him some fits. Um, to be fair to Trey, Nilakina is six five, six six with a with a very long wingspan. He's an active defender that's going to bother anybody. So that's the one thing. And I, I know I, I tweeted about this, but Doris Burke mentioned that on the broadcast and got some pushback about Trey Trey being awesome in the game. And he, by the way, he was. Uh, no one was saying otherwise. If you want to point out one thing, is that he wasn't terribly efficient. From two point range, he was in fact six of six of fifteen from two point range. That's not ideal, but when you remember everything else that he did in this game, and by the way, no turnovers for Trey Young after a bunch of turnovers in the first three games, he was averaging seven or eight, seven or eight a game, uh, twenty three and nine with no turnovers and ten free throw attempts, and even with the twelve missed shots, he got to the line ten times, so he was still you know reasonably efficient. And the passing is what it is. It's always elite. A couple of just fantastic passes and the playmaking and all that stuff that Trey Young brings to the table. So if he just does this on a regular basis, the Hawks would be in great shape. And uh, yeah, there you go on that. So overall, I thought this is a pretty good performance. You know, the Knicks are not going to be good this season, but you know, it's uh, fair to say. And by the way, by the time this game tipped off, the Knicks were favored in Vegas for whatever that's worth. So yeah, the Hawks went in. They went on the road. They played. Both teams played like they were playing a regular season game. Honestly. The Knicks played all their starters a lot of minutes. RJ Barrett played 39 minutes. Julius Randle played 35 minutes. This was a regular season level game. Uh, it wasn't always regular season execution on both sides, but both teams were trying very hard. This was kind of the dress rehearsal on both sides, it looked like. So, uh, yeah, take some take some more from this game than you might normally from a preseason exhibition type of atmosphere. And uh, I would say my suggestion, at least at, least at this moment, would be Thursday is going to be a lot less like this. So, if you're looking to, if you're a Hawks fan looking to like watch one game, um, in the preseason, like kind of deep dive into it, this is probably the one. Um, it would have been nice to have Kevin Herter on the floor. It would have been nice to have just a more structured rotation in some ways um, with your third best player available. But aside from that, this is basically what you, what you can expect with potentially one or two exceptions, uh, maybe backup center, etc. So uh, yeah, that was uh, a night at the office that the Hawks had, and now they will travel to Chicago. As I said before, um, back-to-back, that's that's the last game for the Hawks in the preseason. And they have uh, essentially a full week off. They'll come back to Atlanta and practice, I'm sure. There'll be some media availability. But no game between Thursday in Chicago and then the opening night Thursday game uh, against Detroit. So, And then they're finally home for a basketball game again um, next Saturday against Orlando as the home opener. So we will be here, obviously, throughout that process. But uh, that's probably enough on today's game. Again, you know, a fun one at the office, relatively speaking, for a preseason game. And we'll come back with a new podcast again on Thursday evening. It might be a little bit shorter based on uh, availability and who plays. If it's a lot of uh, Marcus Derrickson, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about that because at this point in time, I can't imagine the Hawks keeping any of those guys who have not already been signed to full contracts. But we'll talk about that later if we need to. And uh, 
please, by the way, subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate everyone that's already done that, but we are uh, ramping up to the season, as everyone is in NBA world, and I really appreciate all the subscriptions that you can give me, uh, ratings, reviews, but please tell your friends, uh, sign up on multiple platforms if you want to, all that fun stuff. Listen to it on the one platform if you want to, but um, anything that you guys can do to support the podcast, I really, really appreciate that. I am very, very grateful, and I'm looking forward to a fun season. So, with that said, we will see everybody on Thursday night, so stay tuned for that.